What do you get when a narcissistic joker wins the highest office in the land? You get... The Great Recession, or how democracy broke its ass through a comedy of errors. A comic opus by J. Sean Durham. For mature ears only. Produced by J. Sean Durham and Kristen Meadow. With sounds and songs by Adam A. Johnson. Uh-oh. Oh, shit. Falling apart. Shit. <sighs> Damn it. Another chaotic scene in America, this time in Damascus, Missouri, a small hamlet in the Kansas City, Jefferson County area. He didn't steal anything, some say, but the disturbance prompted involvement by county police. The police conveniently didn't have their body cameras on. You can dread what happened next. The young man, Damon Jenkins, was found dead, beaten to death in a neighboring county. The community and their leaders give their sound bites, but there are two places that remain silent. The White House and Black Folks Matter headquarters. Damon, 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 Damon. Episode 2. Scene 8. Minister or Minstrel? Packard is in his apartment surrounded by large boxes. He tries to cram a large portrait of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. into a box, but it's too large. He props it up in a chair until he can figure out how to pack it. Oh, that's the doorbell. Packard opens the door. At the door are Womb and LGBTQ activist Maggie Reinhold and Katina Brown-Diaz. Oh, shit. Some funny language you have there for a reverend. But we are used to you talking one way with us and another way in front of other people. People like the president. (sighs) How may I help you, ladies? How could you, a black man, endorse that fool president's crazy, racist, what is it, the felon program? That program is slavery. You're a disgrace, sir. Can I get y'all anything? Coffee, tea, a chill pill. What happened to our agreement that you'd talk to Spade about, quote, a wide range of issues, end quote? I guess that's no on refreshment. damned refreshments. Another black person is friggin' lynched in Missouri, and you, as the leader of Black Folks Matter, don't release a statement or anything. What's going on here? And what's with these boxes? I'll make a pot of coffee anyway, and we can... You cut a deal, didn't you? That's why you're moving. What was it? Real estate? Cash? How many pieces of silver did Spade buy for you? What is the price to sell at a movement? Why? So you ladies can cut a deal for yourself. So he did make you a deal. I told you, Maggie. We can't hitch our wagon to this... This... Pimp! No, you can't. Because you want me, (laughs) the black man, to fight for, what again, women's issues, gay issues, Latino immigrant issues. You lay all of that at my feet while you hijack my movement. Yet, many of you will walk on the other side of the street when you see a man in my skin on the sidewalk. None of y'all march much for black folks. Yet, you want me to fight your battles. But if we all fight Spade by joining forces... No, 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 no. Your fight is your fight. And my fight is mine. Now, if you ladies will excuse me, I have to get to packing. The ladies seem defeated until Packard starts packing the MLK picture. You say we have different battles, but injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere, right? (laughs) What fool said that? Both ladies emphatically point to the king portrait. That fool said that? Wow. Are you a minister or a minstrel? Look. If King were alive today, he'd set up TV and radio talk shows and work on his brand. That's the only way to have influence. Through hashtags and tweets and segments about celebrities. 
Then maybe he can talk about the latest black shooting du jour or shooting at a Planned Parenthood or the latest hate crime against gays. How are you okay with selling out like this? I'm not selling out. I'm doing what I have to do. No, you're on your knees lining your own pockets. On the blood of your own people. You're the worst. A bum. A pimp in every sense of the word. Spades butt boy. A dickless fuck boy. Oh, okay. That's enough. <laughs> you know what I call y'all? The others. The other group of oppressed people. <laughs> we are in a time where everyone's gray is more important than ours. And by ours, I mean black people. So I don't care what you say. What? But if we were just to come together and... It doesn't matter how many black bodies pile up in the streets. Everyone just wants us to get used to it. Get numb to it. Get over it. Every crisis comes with a few days of shock and outrage. And then we get back to guessing the sex of Beyonce's twins. It's stupid because Americans are stupid. And the only way I can move people is to be as stupid as they are and tap into the zeitgeist. So let me embrace the big empty. Make some money. Enjoy my deluxe apartment in the sky because nothing ever happens. <laughs> You see a black death and you shake your head a bit and then you're back on your phone playing Candy Crush or something. You don't care. America doesn't care. Nobody is going to do anything. A long silence fills over the room. The women shake their heads in defeat and the reverend goes back to packing. Then Maggie's cell phone goes off. Then Katina's cell goes off. And then finally the reverend's phone. Okay, maybe a few people will do something. Lord have mercy. Packard grabs a remote, aims it at the TV. The trio hold each other's hands and say a quiet prayer from the carnage they see on the TV. In what can only be described as a huge race riot has broken out in Damascus, Missouri as fallout from the police shooting of unarmed black man Damon Jenkins. Today, three armed black men have reportedly fired combat-style assault rifles against Damascus law enforcement officers. It is a bloodbath in the Kansas City suburb with police shooting back and some police squads violently searching citizens' homes. Meanwhile, black citizens are openly defying authorities and protesting in the streets of this could be the most violent racial conflict in the heartland since the bleeding Kansas skirmishes going all the way back to the 1850s. This could tear the country apart if the situation is not brought to its feet. The question is, where is the leadership? Where is the spade White House? C9, the Great White Way. It's the next day after the worst of the Damascus-Missouri conflict, and Senator Dana Ulrich is walking and talking with Bianca Spade through the West Wing. They finally reach the Oval Office. Senator Ulrich, it's an honor to pick the brain of such an accomplished woman. I mean, you really are an incredible woman. When the general passed, my father and I just had to send our sympathies. I know it's been a while, but I'm sure you miss the presence of such a powerful and righteous man. Yes. The general was a patriot and loved his country. I miss him, but I do have important work to keep me going. What important work might that be today? Bianca takes a seat behind the resolute desk. Dana is alarmed. Where's the president? I was expecting to dialogue with him. Why did you call this meeting, Senator? Your timing is odd. I find some things odd, too, Bianca. May I call you Bianca? No. While I chair the Intelligence Committee, I still must answer to my constituents. I'm sure the Kansan faithful have nothing to fret. But you understand that I am receiving requests for an inquiry. Allegations of collusion with America's rival make some people nervous on the Hill. 
especially since the president doesn't seem too concerned about getting to the bottom of it. It's not fake news. The president receives more detailed intelligence than I do. He does read his presidential briefings, doesn't he? Yes. Well, sort of. He asks them to include some drawn pictures, like a comic book or a graphic novel. I see. Why don't you get to it, Senator? Well, Bianca... No, no, no. Address me as Special Advisor Spade Levin. (sighs) But that's tedious and ridiculous. Oh, just get on with it, lady. Where's the President, Special Advisor Spade Levin? He's not feeling well. That's why I'm here. With the situation in Damascus worsening, I thought he'd be surrounded by advisors to tamp out that fire. We can table this meeting until he feels better. Maybe a week after things settle down in Damascus. Or maybe after I launch hearings into this whole Russia thing, hmm? Bianca gets quiet. She is stunned. By the way, Mrs. Spade Levin, is your husband, Jason, still in New York? I'm hearing his family secured a $300 million loan from a Russian bank just a few days before the election. By the way, the president feeling ill is a reminder that we didn't get his medical records. Or his taxes. So, how sick is the president, darling? What the fuck, lady? How can you talk about this stuff when, when, um, there's a race war in your state? I'm Kansan, darling, not Missourian. Oh, same hee-haw difference. Do you have a taping system here? What? Who told you that? You know, I earned the CIA job, but you passed me over. Your father didn't do that. You did that. So, despite your out-of-character performance here, I'm going to assume you're smart enough to know what's actually happening here. Um, right now. Hmm. I'm not smart, so spell it out to me. Slowly. Bianca slides the bugged pen caddy towards Dana. Dana pulls out a pen and a sheet of paper, writes something down, and shows it to Bianca. What if I told you to get lost? Nope. Damn. Again, do you understand what is happening here? Yes. Dana and Bianca stare each other down when John enters. Senator Ulrich, what are you doing here? The senator is our new director of national intelligence. Hmm. You want to work for the administration? That's the sound of President Spade in another room, losing his shit. No one hears that music? His black ass is loving this Damascus shit. Get out of here, you black bastard. This is my house. Bianca runs off to tend to Spade. Dana, what the hell is this about? You want to... This place is bugged, remember? Watch what you say. They whisper back and forth. Was all this just because you were snubbed for the CIA? No. Don't you see what's going on here? I'm playing chess, not checkers. And only I can see the board. It looks like you're selling out, chess master. Dana takes off her glasses and points them at John. Well, darling, maybe you'd better see through my lenses. Bianca re-enters with Spade, whose tie is tied laughably short. To his heart. Both are followed by putts. You guys heard that music, right? President Blackenstein's black-ass ghost is still here. Uh, no one heard anything but your name calling, sir, and the 44th president is still alive, so he can't be a ghost. I heard you weren't feeling well, sir. You sure are... Mr. Vice President, could you show the senator out, please? But I just got here. Dana maneuvers to shake Spade's hand. I hope you feel better, sir, and thank you for the honor. Dana and Putz talk as they leave. You know they won't let me touch anything in the kitchen? Dad, you are hysterical. No. Dad, (laughs) you have to. What are are those pills you just gave him? Nothing. Hmm. Sir, with your tie tied like that, you look like you gladly pay me Tuesday for a hamburger today. Damn it, John. He's in a panic. Get him some water. What about the red button on his desk? It's the pie and coke button, John, not the water for pills button. Now go. John exits. (laughs) Bianca, they're all coming to get me. The Negroes are fed up and they've waged war in Damascus. Richards enters with a glass of water. But what if Damascus is Megiddo, sir? 
Oh, Dick. It's you. Mega who? Megiddo. You've heard of Armageddon. Megiddo is where the final battle will happen. And it won't be a war against nations, but a war against the races. And when that great war happens, the skies will blush of blood, and the coronets from the great maker's white army will blow, and... Megiddo is in Missouri? Could be. Take your meds, Mr. President. Spade takes the meds. Daddy, why would you listen to him and not me? When he says swallow, I swallow. Damascus is a war they mustn't win, sir. And we must be careful with the language we use. We have to call them the proper name, or else the left will kill us. So I don't know what they are, but I don't think Negro is it anymore. Can't this wait, Dick? Dad is stressed out as it is. No, no. This is important. They don't like Negro anymore. And what about Spook or Sambo? Two early 1900s. Maybe Coon. Nah, too clannish. Porch monkey? No, everyone doesn't own a porch. Uh, good point. Guys. Not now, honey. Jungle bunny? No, that makes them seem warm, fuzzy and cuddly. Spades? No, that's my name. Oh, right. What about keeping to the classics, like nigger? Yes, nigger is my jam. But maybe we should put someone in charge of finding a name for the blacks. John walks in with water. Oh, hey. Dick. What took you so long? Dad could have died for all you know. Yeah, I flipped a coin on that one. John, you are now the Committee for Understanding and Naming the Spooks. Is that an acronym, Dick? Yes, it's CUNTS. John, two of your jobs have been CUNT jobs. Come on, guys. Now get to that CUNT work and find me some names for blacks. I hate this job. John leaves. Meanwhile, Bianca is by her dad's side as Richard sits in the chair opposite Spade. Dad, you should get some rest. What was Dana Ulrich doing here? We can discuss that later. Why don't you go lie down? You go lie down. Let me talk to Dick. We have some serious painstaking options to pour over with this race war. It's going to take a lot of lengthy deliberation and counsel. Bianca leaves. Declare martial law, send in troops, beat the hell out of every black in sight. Read my mind. They fist bump each other. Man, what's next? Sir, Damascus underscores that it's time to push our agenda. Mr. President, here is the state of our world. A white person who takes pride in their ancestors' accomplishments is evil. But a white who refuses to accept guilt for his ancestors' sins is also evil. All while white families work their whole lives to send their children to universities just to be told how despicable they are. And yet, the powerful lecture the powerless about how they don't recognize their own privilege. If you are physically strong, you are fragile. Black is beautiful, but whiteness is toxic. Government doesn't stop crime, but subsidizes it. White privilege is real, but race and sex are just constructs. We need to remind ourselves that none of this is natural. None of this is normal. This is sick. But the world has clearly decided to double down and wage war against the continued existence of white America. Think of the concepts that are now designated problematic and associated with whiteness. Power, strength, beauty, agency, accomplishment. Whites do and other groups don't. To be white is to be a striver, a crusader, an explorer and a conqueror. We build, we produce, we go upward. And we recognize the central lie of American race relations. We don't exploit other groups. We don't gain anything from their presence. They need us, not the other way around. Whiteness, or rather identity, is being forced on the deracinated consumerist last man that was the European American. No one is going to escape this process. And that is why we must stamp out this mess in Missouri before it gets out of hand for us. The race depends on it. Richard stands up, gives the sleeping spade a neo-Nazi salute. Sieg heil! 
Richards leaves. Spade awakens by himself, alone in a cold sweat. Uh, no, no, that can't be right. I'm still here. No! <laughs> I never thought I'd win. I thought he was kidding. I'm going to be president? Yeah, right. Just pour me some vodka, Rusky. And take four of those six hookers you brought here and get out of my room right now. I'm a married man. That Russian motherfucker pulled it off. When I won, I wanted to jump out the window. But then I realized I never opened a window before. This sucks. Wife is screwing the son-in-law, which is fine, because he gets us money to get shit done. But she's screwing him, and I'm not getting any. Shit. I will erase your competent black ass from the history books when I'm done with you. You hear me? I'm going to tar and feather your black ass from history. I do everything you've ever done. Get out of here, you fucking spook. The haunting spirit hauls ass out of the White House. Spade sits down and pushes the Coke and pie button. The Oval Office spins as Dick Spade's meltdown begins. Bianca enters wearing a sexy burlesque outfit with a feather boa around her neck. Bianca gives Spade his Coke and pie. It's not enough to be the little joke you'll trump everything What the hell is going on? Ah, this is so hot. And weird. This is fucking hot. And weird. And hot. And weird. And hot. Dream Bianca stops, dips her finger in the pie, and traces Spade's face with the cream. Then she leaves. Spade is smitten by his daughter. Holy shit. I may need to change my pants. Dream Bianca leaves, but as Spade towels himself off, Dream Richards enters and the tempo quickens. Dream Richards wears a barbershop quartet suit, hat, and cane. We need you, sir. You must save us. Richards finishes his rousing number, much to the delight of Spade, who gives a standing ovation. Oh, hell yeah, Dick. Bravo. Bravo. Dream John Ernest and Dream Reverend Packard appear as the Black Packard wears white face, and the white John Ernest wears black face. We have come so far. We have come so far. We have come so Stripes and stars, blood for the stripes and stars, blood for the stripes and stars. We mustn't turn back now to perfect our union. Better. 
stops spinning. Dick Spade's meltdown is complete as Bianca charges in the office. What's with this spooky shit? Enough! I've had it with all of you. Enough! 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 Daddy! Daddy! Where's your feather boa? What? There was music and Dick was singing and you stuck a finger full of pie in my mouth and black spook ghosts got done and It was wild, crazy stuff. Daddy, that's crazy. You've got to get a hold of yourself. Uh, No, I can't do this shit. I want my show. Get lost, Spade. Get lost. Get the hell out of here. I'll be tap dancing soon. This shit isn't what I signed up for. Spade collapses on the floor. Bianca goes to his desk and gets some pills. Here, take a few more, Dad. Bianca cradles his head in her hands. There, there, Daddy. Bianca shushes Spade as he falls asleep in her arms. Richards enters. It'll be okay. I think, ma'am, it's time we invite the Reverend to the White House. You know, to deal with Damascus. Yes, Dick. We must deal with this insanity now. hope that this embattled and controversial president can calm racial tensions with his second meeting with Reverend Peter Isaac Moses Packard. Many people don't know what will come of the meeting, but what we do know is what they are calling the Damascus Summit comes at a critical time when the nation is on the brink of an all-out race war. Compound that with the growing Russia scandal and the Spade administration is in crisis. Scene 10. The Road to Damascus. Spade walks into the Oval Office. He is suited, but not wearing a necktie. He takes his seat behind the resolute desk, but the chair swivels around to reveal Big Joker Spade's ghost. (laughs) Big Joker, what are you doing here? Big Joker doesn't say anything. Instead, he clasps his hands while seated and just looks at Spade. Big Joker finally stops staring and stands up. He then slowly walks towards Spade, but then turns around and evaporates. Totally creeped out, Spade pulls out his handkerchief, opens a desk drawer, and gets out a bottle of hand sanitizer. He unscrews the top and frantically pours it over the chair. You spooky motherfucker! Who does he think he is, scaring me like that? I'm the President of the United States! 
Have to wipe this ectoplasm off. Once he's wiped the chair, Spade tenderly sits down. Finally relaxed, sort of, Spade pushes the pie and coke button. No response. He pushes it a second time. And a third. What do I have to do to get some pie around here? Spade charges out of the Oval Office to complain. Once he leaves, Bianca sneaks in with a large oversized tie in hand and a little doctor's bag. She places the tie on the desk, puts on some latex gloves, and searches the desk drawers until she finds what she's looking for. Aha! There's the bottle of pills! She sews them away in the doctor's bag. Then she reaches in the bag and takes out a pin light and some tools. She lifts the pin caddy to reveal the wire and follows the wire to underneath the desk. She disappears under the desk with the tools and goes to disable and dismantle the taping system. Spade returns with a tray of cream pie and a Coke. He sits down on the chair behind the desk, placing the pie and Coke in front of him. He leans forward to take a bite. Just then, Bianca emerges from the desk on her knees with her head in his lap in a compromisingly incestuous position. Bianca stands quickly, ignores Spade, and places the tools in the bag. She pauses when she comes to the gloves. Bianca? What were you doing down there? I was dismantling the recording system. Why? Because Ulrich knows about it. If she knows, then others may know. We can't be too careful. Oh, here's your tie. As Bianca shows him the tie and finishes packing the bag, Spade works his way around to face Bianca. Uh, the pie and coke button. It doesn't seem to be working. Okay. Bianca turns away from him. Spade grabs her ass and moves behind her. Dad, you're not yourself. You're sick. Bianca is seemingly traumatized. She turns back to face him. She places her hand on his chest and guides him back to the desk chair. The doctors said you'd be like this from time to time. Yeah, screw the doctors. I'm as fit as a fiddle. Does that fiddle have diabetes? The papers call your Fitbit a fat bit. Have a seat, Father. Bianca grabs the tie. When we decided to do this, it was for the family, remember? Yes, they laughed then. They aren't laughing now. Bianca takes the tie and wraps it around his neck. We're going to make a lot of money from this, sweetie. Yes, I guess we are. You have to look the part, okay? In your standard spade splendor. Yes, yes, of course. You have Damascus Summit today with a reverend. Yes, I do. With that clown. Yes. Bianca sits spade down on the chair, stands over him, and ties his necktie. I didn't want to do it this way. But now that I think about it, it's perfect, and I know I have to. For you, for family, for legacy. I'm so proud of you, Daddy. I love you too, dear. We won. It's all ours now. Yes, it is all ours. Bianca walks behind the office chair and massages Spade's shoulders. Then she crouches over from behind and whispers in his ear. Oh boy, I need this. Bianca grabs the tie and tightens it to strangle Spade. As she tightens, Bianca leans over and slowly moves in on Spade's face until she finally kisses him as he strangles, lovingly on the lips, with tears in her eyes. I love you, Daddy. And I'm sorry. Bianca gives the tie one stern yank. Spade's head tilts forward. He is dead. Bianca steps away from the desk. As she cries, she takes out a spray bottle and towel from her bag and wipes down the office. She swivels Spade with his back turned to visitors. Bianca places the pie and coke on the desk. She loosens his tie to an appropriate tension for a living man, kisses her dad, and sobs as she exits the office. Several moments pass, and Reverend Packard enters as a very dead spade has his back turned to him. Mr. President, I appreciate you taking this meeting. I'm upset that it took the outbreak of violence in Damascus to bring us together again. 
I've long wanted to talk to you about our deal and your felon and adios programs. And um, after talking to many of my fellow protesters, I have to say that I've had a change of heart. My conscience won't allow me to accept what you'd offer me. No, sir. That package of bribes will not do. Because I want you to double it. <laughs> I want a large penthouse in your other Manhattan building, too. Radio shows. Oh, and a Tesla. No, 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 no. A Maybach. <laughs> now, if you can do that, <laughs> I will lend my support. And maybe, maybe, maybe we can save Damascus and prevent this nation from breaking apart. <laughs> what do you say, Mr. President? Uh, Mr. President. Spade's body swivels around in the chair to face Packard, and then Spade falls face first into the pie. Uh. Oh, 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 oh. Two Secret Service agents storm in with their guns pointed at Packard. Freeze! Step away from the president now. I, I, I didn't do anything. He, he was like that when I got here. They rush Packard and place him in handcuffs. Then Secret Service rushes to the desk and lifts Spade's dead face out of the pie. He's dead, sir. Oh, my God. Lord have mercy. What is going on? What happened to my father? I'm sorry, ma'am, but the president has expired. No! You did this, didn't you, Packard? Of course not. I have no... I, maybe it's a heart attack. So? Why haven't you shot him? What? Reverend Packard has peacefully obeyed our orders, ma'am. He's a black, ma'am. This is America. We don't peacefully apprehend blacks, especially when they kill the President of the United States. So I ask again, why hasn't he been shot? The agents look at each other, shrug their shoulders, and aim at Packard. But we need probable cause, you know, for the paperwork. Are y'all for real? Right. Hmm. I know. Let's play the feud! The Oval Office, which is still a crime scene, by the way, transforms into a game show set. The agents trot next to Bianca with buzzers as the handcuffed Packard looks on. Top three answers on the board. Top answer wins. We surveyed 100 white people. Name a reason to gun down a black man. Because we said he had a gun. Show me bullshit. Bullshit is our number two answer, but we're looking for the top answer, Agent. You have the chance to steal. He's guilty of something. Not this crime, but probably a rapist or something. Hmm, show me he's a black bastard. Ooh, it's number three. Remember, we are looking for the top answer. I'll repeat it. We're looking for the top reason, according to white Americans, to gun down a black man. Because he actually did it and posed an immediate threat? <laughs> That's hilarious. Because he actually did it. Whatever. Bianca looks at a sobbing Packard. Reverend, do you want to play the game? This is sick. It doesn't matter. I'm black, so this country doesn't care about my black ass. Because if you kill me, you can make up any old cockamamie story you like to justify it. You can kill us to show that you can do whatever you want. None of it matters. Because, well, I truly see now that black folks' lives really don't matter in America. For 400 years, that's the only truth that this country holds self-evident. So this kind of injustice will persist until the end of America's days. Because racism is America's chronic illness that ails this country. Always has been. Always will be. The oval grows silent as everyone takes in Packard's stirring words. And then... Top answer on the board! Tell him what he wins, Rod. He wins in ignominious death by a hell of bullets. Motherfuck. Bianca wears an evil smile and washes the blood on her hands. In a nation far from America's shores, a well-dressed man, in fact, he's the man, white in his 50s, 
fit and cool, is fresh from a briefing from his Russian aide, a tall woman in her 30s. The Russian aide struggles to put together a catchy song and dance about America's misfortune. We make Uncle Sam look like Yankee Doodle crackpots. When you think this is the worst it can get, we can win our war without firing a shot. The Yanks ain't seen nothing yet. The Yanks ain't seen nothing yet. The Yanks ain't seen nothing. The man calmly draws a pistol and shoots Russian aid. Net pinya, no singing. This is a nation on the brink. America's towns and cities are torn along racial lines, catching what some are calling the Damascus flu, spreading to the rest of the nation with protests and civil unrest stretching from Atlanta to Portland. The aggrieved say the last straw was what they see as a setup. Was slain civil rights leader Reverend Peter Isaac Moses Packard a patsy? Or was he caught red-handed, audaciously murdering the 45th president of the United States? Conspiracies abound, but one thing is for sure. Newly sworn in President Dick Putz is facing the political challenge of a lifetime. Scene 11. Dick's in a box. We open with now President Dick Putz, seated behind the Resolute desk, looking over a dossier handed to him by Dana. Putz squints at the document then reaches in his jar and tries on a comically large pair of glasses. He shakes his head, takes off those glasses, and tries a smaller pair of glasses. He then takes those off and pulls out an 18th century elderly aristocratic lady's pair of opera binoculars. Um, sir, if you're having trouble reading today's intelligence briefs, I could... No, no, Director Ulrich, that won't be necessary. Putz then pulls out and uses a jeweler's eye loop. Sir, I can make the PDBs available in eye chart font if needed. The point is that you can see what I presented here. Director, I am capable of seeing what you've presented. Putz pulls out a pirate spyglass now. For Pete's sake, sir, if you had any more eyewear on your desk, you could see through time. It's fine, Director. I get the gist of what's in here. Even the details laid out on page four? Sir, I know it's been tough since President Spade was assassinated. He was killed. Right here. In this chair I'm in right now. And the Reverend was shot right around where you are. We had to remove blood from the rug. I'm aware. And there's a bullet hole in the Resolute desk. Should we plan a road trip to Ikea, sir? This is serious stuff, Dana. Please, sir. Call me Director. And Reverend Packard, strangling the President with his own bare hands. What up with that, yo? Slang doesn't suit you, sir. And the blacks believe he was set up. There are riots everywhere, but he strangled him. And then mushed Dick Spade's face in a pie. Who's to say that won't happen to me? So you think odds are high that you'll get strangled at the Oval Desk and found dead with your face in a pie? Yes. Yes, exactly. That could happen to me now. Sir... We really need to discuss what's on page four. I don't need to read it. I know what it says. And what does it say, sir? Okay, I don't know. But whatever it is, it can't be that important. If so, it'd be on page one, right? Dana sighs, slips on her glasses, and turns to page four and reads, While the first family did not request an autopsy, Secret Service conducted a preliminary autopsy, and the results were kept secret until reviewed for Director Ulrich's eyes only. 
The findings show that President Spade died of asphyxiation, likely between the time of 9.30 and 10 a.m. This time frame agrees with the time the White House kitchen prepared a pie for the president at 9.23 a.m. Putz sticks his fingers in his ears like a little child. La, 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 And la, White la, House la, la. logs show that Reverend Packard did not enter the Oval Office until 10.15 a.m. Packard was on CP time for his own killing? The nerve. Sir, why don't you want to hear these facts? A president was killed in the Oval Office last month. I'm not going down that rabbit hole, Dana. This country needs healing, not conspiracy theories. Sir, a race war is underway because of this. There is circumstantial evidence that a black man did not kill a white president. The truth could bring healing. I said that will be all, Director. Thank you. Then Dana slowly tears two pages from the briefing. If you don't want to read page four because it smacks of conspiracy, then you sure as hell won't like page five. She stands and turns to exit. Wait, what's on page five? Dana hands him the page. Putz reaches for the opera binoculars to read it. He peruses, then hands it back to Dana. The president is dead, and I'm not throwing any more dirt on his grave. Let it go, Dana. Now I need to freshen up for my interview. Please see yourself out. Putz also leaves the oval through an opposite door. As Dana walks towards another door, Sharon Jones enters. I'm here for my interview with the president. Dana takes out the torn pages of the briefing, folds them up, and discreetly hands them to Sharon. Who fed you that beauty pageant tip? Sharon is quiet, and Dana exits. Sharon takes a seat across from Putz's desk. He enters, shakes Sharon's hand, and sits. Ms. Jones, so good to see you again. How are you adjusting to the highest office in the land? I miss my afternoon naps. Mr. President, before we continue, I must ask you about the elephant in the room. You know what they say. If there's an elephant in the room, that means there's ivory to poach. No one says that, sir. Go on? No, that's the end of the statement. Fantastic. Sir, I appreciate you granting me your first interview since President Spade's death, but I must ask, are you okay? Or is there something else going on here? I am totally fine. Everything is fine. Why do you ask? Because you left me a note a few weeks ago at the foot of the Hill Bar. Now, this question is off the record and for background, but how did you know to find me there? A woman never tells her secrets. A woman never... Sir, you are clearly not feeling well. Just worried for my country, my safety, a lot of things. I'd like to talk about that. But back to the note. On official Veep stationery, you wrote, Miss Jones, help, signed Dick Putz. You recall that literal cry for help? I do. And how did you know... I came to you for help, and I fed you a number of stories including that juicy bit of background surrounding the 2013 Miss World pageant. But I didn't feed you all those stories. So I have a question for you. Who's leaking to you? No one, sir. Just good old-fashioned reporting. But again, what did you need help from? Well, it's obvious, isn't it? Nothing's obvious. In light of President Spade's death... Assassinated, Ms. Jones. Right here, in this chair. Ew. Yes, well... There's plenty of questions about that. Many African Americans believe Packard was set up. This brings me to your cry for help. Is it treacherous to be in this administration, sir? Bianca and Richards enter the Oval. Mr. President, your cabinet meeting has been bumped up. My sincerest condolences, ma'am. But I was promised an hour with the President. I'm sorry, but now he can only muster five good minutes. That's what she said. You're really no good at the quipping, sir. Try this. Why did the chicken cross the road? Everyone shrugs. To get away from the Black Baptist Church across the street. (laughs) You know, because blacks love chicken. That is so offensive, Mr. Richards. Especially since my father lost his life crossing a road after church. Really? No. Fucking bigoted ass crackers. Um, we'll come back for you, sir. Bianca and Richards leave the Oval. Why are they still a part of your administration, sir? It is totally proper to leave a departed president's advisors intact. This is no time for turnover. But they are the main reason why this country is so divided. Richards' felon proposal is nothing but New Age slavery, and the Adios Initiative is just plain hateful. 
Ms. Jones, I have to show stability. Also, I must respect the last man who sat in this chair. And ironically, polls show the American people now support those proposals. Since the assassination, people have come around to his worldview. You realize those polls are split along racial lines, right? You're not going to smother me to death in a pie, are you? What do they have on you, sir? Potts is quiet, and then Bianca and Richards charge in again. Bianca has a long cardboard gift box in her hands. Time's up, Miss Jones. <sighs> Thank you for your time, sir. Sharon leaves the oval, wondering what else there is to the story. So, I have something to make you more comfortable on the job. Putz opens the box and reveals a long, red, spade-esque tie. Now, Dick, isn't that a little more... presidential? The Great Recession, or How Democracy Broke Its Ass Through a Comedy of Errors. Starring Sam McRae, Emily Morrison, Ben Isenson, Katie Carlton, Sebastian Layton Cooper, Joshua Barlow, Michael Roxy Johnson, Sarah Corey, Stephen Soto, and Matt Francisco, with Kristen Metter as the narrator. Executive produced by Jay Sean Durham and Kristen Metter. Written and directed by Jay Sean Durham. Sound production mixes and mastering by Dave Mallon for Innovation Station Music. With music by Adam A. Johnson of Architect of Sound. Sound effects provided by zapsplat.com. Original songs composed by Adam A. Johnson of Architect of Sound and written by Gent Marcus for BBR Music. Featuring Marnie Price on vocals for House of Spade and Gent Marcus on Pastoral Plea and White Command. Photography by Pasquale Buchanan and posters by Kellen Metter. Casting considerations by Paige Gold for Paige Gold and Associates Backstage and Dragonut Connects. Creative consultant Tara Bryant. COVID compliance protocols provided by Lexicon Media Productions. If you like what you heard, please support The Great Recession by visiting thegreatrecessionpodcast.com, where you'll also find additional episodes, bonus content, and full credits. This is fresh, free, original art produced amid a burgeoning pandemic. The lights are off on Broadway, but we birthed this baby, y'all. The Great Recession or How Democracy Broke Its Ass Through a Comedy of Errors is a presentation of JSC Inc. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Oh, Bianca.